it was difficult for me to find my sort of queer family, I think because I was so close with so many straight people. Hello, my name is Kay Anderson and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Here's how it works. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories that they created there, and the people that they used to know. Straight people are great. Well, most straight people are. Or some straight people are? Hmm. Anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is that despite the fact that straight people are okay-ish, depending on what day of the week it is, sometimes you just need a good queer friend to take your hand and show you the world, right? And when most of your friends are straight people and you don't want to impose on them and ask them to come to clubs with you, so you just kind of go to where they want to go and do the things that they want to do, it can kind of get in the way of you developing into the beautiful uh, butterfly that you are. I don't know why I said butterfly. Maybe you're a moth. If you're a moth, then you should also have the opportunity to develop into that thing. Anyway, this is partly what happened to this week's guest, Brian Rowe, who is the host of the queer film podcast, Piece of Pie. Now, Brian moved to Chicago from small town Illinois in the late 90s and quickly found himself at Spin, a lost space that is so legendary that we have already featured it twice before on this podcast. And for those who want to go back and listen to those episodes, it's once with Alexis P. Bevels and once with B.B. Kyle. Go check them out. In this episode, we talk all about our quest to find identity and how we go about doing that, the difficulty in making friends, just any friends, even straight ones, and what kind of sex we think MAGA supporters deserve. But you probably already know what the answer to that is, right? Okay, let's get into it. It felt very gay. It felt very, very gay. And um, to 19, 20-year-old me from central Illinois, whose biggest exposure to, like, homosexuality was, like, an episode of Roseanne, Mm. to be in a place like Spin, in a city like Chicago, where it's so very gay and unabashedly so, it was my first sort of taste of that early on because it sort of represented, again, a lot of this is in hindsight. I don't think I was thinking this way. I certainly wasn't thinking this way in 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but in hindsight, yeah, it felt like the first place that I had kind of experienced that sort of unabashed sort of queerness. And also what was fascinating to me is how at home I felt with that. Uh. I mean, now I'm, <laughs> I, now I'm the like, you know, leftist, socialist homo that Fox News warns their viewers about 
but at the time I was still trying to find a sense of identity for myself. And that was a big, uh, I think it's just, it was a big stepping stone for me was spin and that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess it just kind of represents a lot of like sort of my hopes coming from a small town into coming into a big city. So let's talk more about that then. You had the opportunity because you were now in a bigger city to explore your identity a bit more with more of a feeling of safety around that. Yeah. What what was that? Like, had you come out before you moved? No, I did, so I didn't end up coming out to my parents until years later. I was 25, I think, when I came oh, out to okay. my parents. Um, and was that just because of inertia or because you were worried about their response? Um, a little bit of both. Okay. I Basically, I didn't come out to them until I was confidently independently financially secure now granted i want to say they took it super well Mm -hmm. all of my fears were unfounded but at the time i didn't know that and at the time i was preparing mentally for a a worst case scenario so i was like i'm not going to come out until i know that i can come out and then if they say i i don't think i ever really thought they would just completely disown me but it was more a sense of I, like I said, they were very helpful, like paying bills and rent early on when I first, mm-hmm. first got here. And it was more a fear that not necessarily they would cut me off, although that was probably in there. It was m- more that they would cut me off from helping me pay rent. So yeah. I didn't come out until I was at a place where I felt like I didn't need financial assistance from them. And is that typical of your character to like have everything planned out? before taking a leap a little bit yeah (laughs) okay a little bit okay so that's really interesting then so you held off in telling your parents had you told anyone from your hometown yeah was it just like this is a new life for me in chicago yeah so yeah i told people um and i did that late 90s thing where i came out as bi first (laughs) Uh, so you're the one that's giving bisexuals a bad name then is that it it's it's me it's just me (laughs) yes Uh, no, everybody, at the time, you know, well, it was, it's sort of um, dipping your, your toe in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To see, like, what does this feel like if I say this? But you have that sort of, at the time, I think, at 17, too, it's like, and you can kind of walk it back. If it doesn't go well, you're like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm straight. I just like that guy's butt, maybe, or whatever, like... <laughs> And you can kind of walk it back a little yeah, that, bit. Yeah, that sounds totally plausible. Yeah. I think at 17, in 1997, it felt like it felt more plausible than it does saying it out loud and, at 42 in 2023. But um, I think that was a part of it at the time. Um, yeah. But also, I will say that I had friends that I came out to as bi who clocked me as gay. They're like, no, you're gay. <laughs> oh, okay. So this is really interesting. So this is what I want to follow up with you about so I totally understand coming out as bi first because it feels like it's a bit less risky and if people take it the wrong way then you can just be like oh I'll just focus on the heterosexual side right yeah so was there anyone that was like "Mm, this doesn't sound right yeah (laughs) and it's not like I went to them and I said I'm bisexual and then they immediately were like well that doesn't sound right Um, what happened was I came out to them as bi I couldn't tell you if two weeks passed or two months yeah. passed. I know it yeah. wasn't like 
a full year. Um, some time passed. Some time passed. <laughs> I wouldn't say any more than six months, but I do remember at some point my friend just asking me, like, are you gay? Are you gay? Are you really gay? Are you, is this the bi thing kind of a fake out? So, yeah, he kind of clocked me on it, <laughs> like I said. Oh, but, but so um, when you were telling people you were bisexual, did you think you were bisexual or did you know you were gay? I think I probably, again... Sorry, I'm asking you to dig into the the caves of your memory. Right, and also, like, it was only if... If I'm remembering right, I feel like... I felt like I was probably gay, but I wasn't sure. And like I said, there was a sense of, like, well, I can walk it back. That was as much for myself as it would have been for anyone I was talking to. It was as much for me to be able to say, like, oh, it was just a weird phase Going from being bisexual in the eyes of your friends, apart from that one who was like, ah, no, and then taking that extra step and saying, no, actually, I'm not bisexual, I'm gay. Was that difficult? It was made easier by the fact that someone asked, like, are you just actually gay? Yeah. They made it easy. And I'm sure at some point I would have, come out fully mm-hmm. has been like I'm I'm gay but having been asked about it and also asked about it in a way that they were fine with it mm-hmm. they weren't angry they weren't like you're fucking lying to me or you're fucking faggot or whatever it wasn't like that it was very much just like are you are you sure you're not just gay mm-hmm. like <laughs> so they were very kind about it and they kind of like helped me out with that so they made it a lot easier. I, I had a really great support system um, in that time. And I'm still friends with those people. Um, so let's go back to Chicago. Okay. And this process of exploring your sexuality. So you're in this new city where no one really knows you and you can mm-hmm. make up your own rules and you can meet people and go out and get blackout drunk. What was the expectation versus the reality? (laughs) The expectation was, I'm going to go out, I'm going to meet someone the first day I go out, we're going to fall in love and... That's it. Story over. Yeah. Done. The end. Yeah. (laughs) That was the naive, like, 18, Uh. 19-year-old, 21-year-old that still kind of bought into that, like, heteronormative fantasy... To be fair, that is the only story we're ever told when we're children. So True, yeah. <laughs> Not really a surprise yeah. that that's what you were expecting. True. Yeah. But it didn't go that way. No. No, of course not. Of course Sorry, not. I shouldn't laugh. I'm laughing because, okay. you know, I can relate. Not because I'm laughing at you. Yeah. I completely understand. I'm laughing at myself too because what an idiotic thing, right? Like, I wouldn't want to be with someone that I was with when I was 21. At yeah. This point in my life. Yeah, and at the risk of offending anyone who might be listening who might have married someone that they met when they were 18, must be pretty boring. I feel like yeah, I agree. Like none of that turmoil. Right. None of those sleepless nights wondering if anyone's ever going to love you. Like that sounds horrible. <laughs> I think you learn so much about yourself too when you've been broken up with. When yeah, someone yeah. dumps you, you learn a lot about yourself. When you break up with someone, you're learning about yourself. Uh, you're learning... Um, like how easy it is to break someone's heart. <laughs> I wasn't even going there. I was just going to say, like, you you learn things that 
like you won't put up with. Like if someone is mean to you or, you know, you're with someone for a few months and then suddenly yeah. something happens and then like you're like, you learn what you'll put up with. You learn what your limits are. You learn what you're like, what like what you enjoy sexually even, you know, you have to kind of experiment mm. with different things. Yeah, oh yeah, totally with you. <laughs> to quote one of my favorite songwriters, promiscuity is like traveling and there's more than one way to see the world. Yes, although <laughs> I'm very aware that we're talking about people who have been in relationships since they were 18 as though they are monogamous and we're making that assumption. That's true as well, so, yes. yes. So I just want to say that there are many different ways to be with someone since you're 18. <laughs> yeah. And I would imagine, though, that, like, queer people who are still with people for that long, I would imagine, at least... And oh, I'm and why this, would you imagine that? Because they're all sluts? Is that what you're saying? No, because of the people that I've known in my life who fall under that umbrella. The people that I've known who have long-term relationships are queer people, and they have learned that they can maintain those relationships long term by being a little more open than your typical heterosexual mm -hmm. relationship. Mm -hmm. It's funny, isn't it? I wonder if, if it is more common in heterosexual relationships than any of us know, but because there's more of a social stigma around it, no one talks about it. I think it is more common in heterosexual relationships than we know. But I also don't think it's as common in heterosexual yeah, relationships yeah, yeah. as it is in queer relationships. Yeah, I guess the two can be true. Okay, so we've gone off on a tangent. So that was your expectation yeah. that you were going to yeah. be swept off your feet day two or day one, you know, as soon as you mm -hmm. got to the city. That didn't quite happen. But you got lots of wonderful learning opportunities. Yes, <laughs> yes, eventually, eventually, yes. So what did happen? Well, I, I eventually got a bunch of wonderful learning opportunities. And then some antibiotics for those learning opportunities. <laughs> right. Yeah. At this point, I should just be getting a monthly supply of antibiotics. But with my prep, I should just like, I should just be taking them concurrently. What did happen was um, I learned that that wasn't the reality. And I, and it was a, a series of, of, of learning that that's not reality and a series of mistakes and uh, bad first dates good first dates, mm. bad second dates, you know. Um, good first dates and then they never ring you. Oh, that is so awful. Yeah, that's the, those are always the worst because it's mm. like... This messes with your mind. Yeah, a little bit. At least if it's a terrible date and they don't ring you, you're like, well, that makes sense. But when you think it was <laughs> great, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure I've been on the other end where, like, I thought it was bad and then he was probably like, why isn't he calling or texting? And I'm like, well, the, the dude had bad breath <laughs> and... Uh, use too much tongue and that's just not that's a non-starter uh, I was going to say bad breath is something you can work with but the tongue thing no yeah well the, yeah the bad breath I mean it depends on is it a dinner date Were we was he drinking coffee like you know there's a lot of things but you know I don't know it was just an example I, <laughs> I want to ask you because you talked about trying to make friends and how that was difficult before and there's something for me, so this is obviously just me bringing my mm -hmm. own bias and perspective to the conversation and it might not be your experience, but there's something for me that's kind of sadder about the expectation that you're going to have all these wonderful queer friends and then not managing to do that in comparison to falling in love and being whisked off your Well, feet. I had like straight friends that were great and supportive and amazing. Mm -hmm. They've been a, a, a vital and important part of my life from day one. 
but yeah, like I said, at the time, at 17, 18, 19, I, they were straight, and it was difficult for me to find my sort of queer family, I think because I was so close with so many straight people. And I don't... I, 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 That's an interesting take. So I'm 22, right? Uh, 20 mm. years ago, and my best friends are all straight. And I want to go to a gay bar. Mm. It's much more difficult to get a group of straight people to go to a gay bar. Mm. And then even when they did, I was the only gay one. And so now I feel like they're here for me. So now I can't, yeah, I can't spread my wings. I can't go and flirt with this hot guy because then these straight people who came in with me and this was all internal. This was not anything anyone ever said to me. Um, And so it was difficult for me to go out into those queer spaces and bring my straight friends, not because they didn't want to, I think they would have, but yeah, they're a bit of a cock blocker. <laughs> well, even now, like I went to IML with a friend. He was a gay friend, and I like was meeting this guy, and I was trying to flirt with him, and I was like, "You need to leave because I <laughs> oh, can't." Oh, like oh, you didn't say that to your friend. You said it to the man you were. Flirting. No, I said it to my friend. I'm like, I can't <gasps> fully. You just told him to leave. Well, not leave, leave. Just like go to the other side of the. We're in a huge market, right? Like, go over there and give me five minutes to flirt with this guy on my own because it's, I need, I don't know. But you felt okay saying that to a, a queer friend. Yeah. And you wouldn't a straight friend. Is this the point we're making? Sorry, I'm just like attacking you. <laughs> no, you're not attacking me. I th- this is what I think. I think it was okay for me to say it at my age now. Uh-huh. Whereas it wouldn't have, I would not have felt okay saying it at that age. Yeah, yeah. Now, if I'm at a gay bar with my straight friend and there's somebody that I'm interested in, I can say to the straight friend, I'm kind of interested in this guy, give me a minute. At the time, though, when I'm 21, 22 mm-hmm. years old, I'm still new to going to bars. You know, I'm still, I've only had sex with like one guy. Like, <laughs> so I'm still figuring it out on my own. I don't have the, the comfort or the confidence in myself to say, like, I need you to go be somewhere else for five minutes so I can flirt. But see, I don't think I have the confidence now to do that. Maybe it's, like, the guilt. I think think it's the guilt of being like, I can't leave you on your own, so I'm going to stay with you, and I'll let this opportunity pass me by. Well, that's the other nice thing about it being, if you're with your gay friends, then... I'm going to go leave and talk to this person and that's going to give me an opportunity. And now that I'm away, now you have an opportunity. (laughs) Right. I'm not ditching you. I'm giving you an opportunity. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I just do better in those situations flying solo than I do. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. And it's like, it's hard for me to like flirt with someone. If like my best friend is sitting next to me because in my head now he's like listening to me and he's like, you idiot. Critiquing <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it, yeah, I think it is really interesting what you say about having your straight friends and actually that was hugely beneficial in lots of ways, but it kind of held you back as well because it kind of prevented you from going and exploring. I think so, a little bit, yeah. Mm. A little bit, yeah. Mm. Well, it's that sense of sort of, I don't want to... Like if my fr- if I'm if I'm organized a night and my friends are there straight or gay, like there is a sense of like, well, I'm here with them. But if there's a hot guy and he's like making eyes at me, then I want to go explore that too. I don't know. I don't know. Because what if your friends all see you then strike out? 
<coughs> Isn't it better just to just pretend in your head that you could have hit on them and they would have gone home with you, but you chose not to? I mean, sure, sometimes. <laughs> and then sometimes it's better to go home with them. Um, I don't. Well, it's funny though, because I'm saying all this. I don't even really like go to. I at my age and my place in my life, uh, I do go to gay bars. I, I still do, but uh, the gay bars I go to aren't necessarily like. I don't know. I like a a, a seedy leather bar. That's all I'm gonna say. Hmm. What do I read into that? <laughs> so the flirting doesn't involve talking. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not so much flirting as you are cruising. Yeah, okay. And that's just been kind of my aesthetic <laughs> recently. Yeah, see, that's much easier, right? Yeah. Less chance you're going to say something embarrassing. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't, and then it's like... I don't have to talk to them. <laughs> you know, I can just go and I can get what I came for and they get what they came for. Dot, dot, dot. Mm, right? Mm. So, spin. How do we get back to spin? What did that space teach you about yourself? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and I don't know if I have an answer for that. Um, it was sort of the, one of the first queer spaces that I had ever found myself in. And there was a sense of shock mixed with relief. You know, I'm in my first queer space, I'm 21 years old, and I look over and there's like a couple of shirtless dudes making out. And I look over to my left and there's a couple more people making out. And they're not, maybe not shirtless, but like that, that display of homosexuality being so I don't want to use this word because it sounds like a negative word, but I can't think of another word. But that display being so flagrant and unabashed. And I mean that in a good way. I'm not, mm. I'm not trying to belittle it. But at 21, the first time you see it, in per when you see it in person, like I said, at this time, I think I, like, I, think, I, think I had, had sex at this point. But it was still, like, I had only done it with one person one time. And it was still a super foreign sort of concept. And so to walk into a room and to see gay men making out with each other and dancing and living their best lives at 21, to see that and to be in that space felt, like I said, it was shock, but also the sense of relief. Of Why relief? That it existed, mm -hmm. that it was there for me and that, that I could come back. And that this was a place that existed in a city that I lived in that was easily accessible to me. It was only a few train stops away. It, it was that. It was, mm -hmm. it was that set. Like, this does exist. And it's not no longer just something I've heard about and seen in movies and read about. It's real. It's tangible. And those two guys are making out. And that guy's got his hand down his pants. And this is what life can look like. There's a lot of firsts for me that space, that was why I ch sort of chose it to talk about because, um, yeah, like I said, it was a lot of first. It was my first experience going out at a gay bar, my first time making out with someone at a gay bar, even though I don't remember it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would love nothing more than to be able to like travel back into a little, like f a fly on the wall and just kind of watch that night unfold uh, from a third person perspective. Uh, and see the look of wonder and awe on my face, which I'm sure was there. Um, but 
So on the fly thing, funny you should say that because I often end my conversations by asking the question, if you could go back in time and have a conversation with that version of yourself, what advice would you give? So now you've just segued me in perfectly. Oh, perfect. I didn't mean to. Maybe I did mean to do that. Maybe it was all by design. Um, I think I, number one, <laughs> remembering my wardrobe choices, the first thing I would say would be, girl, you got to get some new outfits. You're, you'll, you'll get there eventually, but don't waste your time on what you're wearing now. That, and then also mostly probably just, you're going to have those nights where you strike out. And it's a constant process of reminding yourself that it's not about you. Um, and that sometimes, you know, it happens that way. And then sometimes it won't. So I think I would just tell him to be patient. And I would also tell him to stop pining over that boy that he was pining over. Because <laughs> uh, that never went anywhere. And that would never go anywhere. Well, how come you didn't tell me about this guy? Because it's nothing. Like okay. Nothing happened. It was okay. just this crush that I carried around for a long time. How long is a long time? Uh, a couple of years, probably. Oof. Oof. You had it bad. Yeah. But he was also, like, the only other gay person that I knew. And so, in my mind, it was, like... Inevitable? Built up. It was, it was <laughs> built... I, because of that, I built it up more than mm. I even should have. Mm -hmm. And I now know that the dude's... Like, he's not a very good dude. Mm -hmm. Um, and he never was, but I was blind. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I would wish, I would just tell him to be patient and to not be so hard on himself. Do you think he'd listen? No. No. <laughs> no, probably not. No, they never do. No. Every time I go back in time no. and give myself advice, it never works out. And like I said, I just had to, last month, a night where I struck out and I had to sort of spend the next day reminding myself of the things that I just mm. was saying, mm. you know. Because I still take it personally sometimes. Um, maybe I would tell 21-year-old me that. Like, you have to start getting over this now. <laughs> <laughs> and do you get over it by just getting rejected a lot? Or is there another way? Yeah, I think as much as it sucks to say, like, yeah, a little bit of, of it is. You, you just, you learn by getting rejected a lot because, you know, you learn by doing, mm -hmm. right? And you need that practice to remind yourself that it's not it's not about you and that sometimes gay guys are just the fucking worst or like yeah or there's like a hundred other things I think that's the thing right. that I think cruising is really useful for is just teaching you to just shoot your shot and then move on yeah rather than wasting lots of time thinking about it in your head just going right like, exactly here I am do you want to fuck no okay I'll go away <laughs> right right Right. But then that makes it, like, more difficult when you're trying to, like... If you're, like, flirting with someone and he's, like, real hot, but he's kind of dumb. And you're like, God, I wish I could have just, like, saw you in a hallway. Because, <laughs> like, I really want to do this, but, like, you have to stop talking. Oh, yeah. And then when their, like, political views start seeping in and you're oh, like, God. no, now I can't sleep with you. <laughs> no. Um, I had to... This is off topic, but... Uh, this guy that I hooked up with last year, we hooked up a couple times, and then I kind of found out that... He had a MAGA hat. He didn't have a MAGA hat, <laughs> but he had this thing. So th this was, and maybe this is me too, but he had this thing, so he would top me, but he had this thing where he liked topping MAGA people. 
And like, it wasn't even that he was MAGA. It was just that he liked that. And for, but for me, it was like, but I don't want your dick inside me if it's been inside them. Like, that's fucking gross. But he had this like kink where he liked. Like, like to shame them. Yeah. Oh. And like, I'm not here to kink shame anybody. I love kink. Um, I have some of my own, but there was something about that, learning that about him, even though he and I had already had sex a few times, where I was like, I can't do this anymore oh. with this guy. It was gross. Part of it, too, it's like, I don't want you, like, supporting these people. Like, if you're fucking them, then that means they can still get dick. <laughs> like, and they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. And it was a really nice dick, too. And I'm like, they don't deserve that dick. I'm sorry. Do you have any memories of spin? Or maybe a lost space from your own scene that you want to share? Well... You know what I'm going to say, don't you? If you do, why not get in touch? I want to create the biggest online record of people's memories and stories of queer clubbing, but I'm not going to be able to do that without your help. Go to lostspacespodcast.com, find the section, share a lost space, and then tell me all about what you got up to. You can also reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where my handle is Lost Spaces Pod. Now, make sure that you also listen to Piece of Pie wherever you stream podcasts, and they will fill you up on your queer movie goodness, I promise. You can also follow the show on Instagram at Piece of Pie Pod. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you took the time to subscribe, leave a review on your podcast platform of choice, or just tell other people who you think might be interested in giving it a little listen to. Every single set of ears helps. Hmm. My name is Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces. Lost Spaces.